If anything is true coming off of last week's Chris Paul shenanigans, it's that the Phoenix Suns are in the limbo and no one really seems to know where they're headed. On today's episode of Locked On Suns, we'll forecast what the point guard spot could look like, the paths the Suns could take, and which one makes the most sense right now. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen to start your week. Happy week before the draft, which is the week before free agency, which means it's the last week of sanity. Hit follow or subscribe to get a new show in your feed every single Monday through Friday throughout the offseason and beyond. Become an everydayer. Get locked on to your favorite team. Each and every day. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's pricepicks.com. Promo code locked on. Having a plan, I think, is going to be the most important thing for the Phoenix Suns as it pertains to Chris Paul, but really this entire offseason. I had a weekend now to stew, to sit, to, to, to marinate in whatever happened with the leaking and the, 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 the subtweeting of, of everything that related to Chris Paul. And that's where I come down. Having a plan is the most important thing that the Suns can do. Now, um, Jake Fisher over at Yahoo Sports, who's been pretty plugged into NBA stuff for a while now, you know that name. He's had a lot of Suns scoops. He broke down how the the Suns doing this with Chris Paul, and we don't even know what doing this means yet, but but having the the bomb go off in the form of Chris Haynes's report um, is the first domino of what will be a big week, uh, sorry, a big summer for the point guard position in the NBA, and the Suns are going to be at the center of it. Let's go through what their options are and why I am saying what I'm saying regarding just having a plan. Let's start with this. Aaron and I did a show right when the news happened about what we thought was the most likely scenario. And I said that they would, that, that waving him and bringing him back on a minimum deal was the most likely, most logical outcome. It doesn't feel like a lot of other people feel that way in terms of people who are actually plugged in. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe that's naive. Maybe expecting the Suns to pull off this miracle, good faith, handshake agreement is just ridiculous. It might be the case. I think it's the most beneficial for the Suns. It's kind of the only one that I can really imagine them wanting here. So... If that's their plan, and if it's what happens, great. Check the box. All good. No problems. No questions asked. If stretching him, which as a reminder would be the remaining 15.8 guaranteed, 15.8 million guaranteed that he has on his contract over the next five seasons, because technically he has two years left on this deal, even though the final year is fully 
zeroed out, non-guaranteed. You get to use that anyway with the stretch. That's the scenario that would give the Suns the access to the mid-level exception. The real one, right? Not the fake taxpayer one, which is like $5 million. They get that if they do the wave and re-sign at the minimum. So that's sort of two birds, one stone. You get a little bit more money to spend on the free agent market, and you get to bring back Paul. The stretching is no Paul. You're not allowed to re-sign him, but you are obviously then getting access to the full mid-level and just getting a lot further under the tax apron and all that stuff that you want to be under. And then there's obviously the potential of trading him. Now, we'll get to trading him in a second. The last thing I want to say about either mid-level exception, I guess the other option is keeping Chris Paul on the $30.8 million. Maybe that makes him the most happy. Maybe that's just the easiest, cleanest way. I don't really think there's any pathway of that. So if you're not going to do that and you're talking about a situation where you suddenly need to figure out what your guard spot is going to look like, then even just having access to the full $12 million mid-level or the $5 million taxpayer mid-level, either one of those scenarios, you need to have a plan for who you're going to get, right? And I don't think the Suns are thinking this way, but when I hear this concept of, oh, Kyrie will take a pay cut or, you know, Fred Van Vliet or some of these things, even um, another guy that, and we'll talk about options in terms of specific players in the next segment, but even somebody, to give an example, like Emmanuel Quickly, who Jake Fisher pointed, uh, pointed to, highlighted as a potential target of Phoenix's, um, he's a restricted free agent. So even that, you know, $12 million might end up being the market for Quickly. I don't really know. I think that's on the low end. But even if you were to do that, okay, well, then you're, you're making a bid on a restricted free agent that the Knicks could then go ahead and match. I would assume they would. So then you're back to, okay, we're screwed. We, we lost Chris Paul. We don't have him anymore. We had our target of Quickly as our guy. Well, now we don't have him, right? $5 million, same thing. Even if you're able to wave Chris Paul, bring him back at a minimum, and then you go out and you try to get somebody at $5 million to fill a different spot, you need to know who that's going to be. Kyrie Irving is not taking that money. Emmanuel Quickly is a restricted free agent you can't count on. Fred Van Vliet is worth way more than that. Those are not viable pathways to cut the Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer, already on your team. The last pathway is the trade. And obviously, uh, pulling off a trade requires a lot of, of planning, a lot of confidence uh, in terms of you know knowing there's going to be a trade out there and everything else. I kind of think that the Suns screwed themselves out of a trade even being an option here. I could be wrong. Maybe if maybe if there's a team out there that knows that they're not going to get Chris Paul if he gets stretched or if he gets waived, if he becomes a free agent, basically, maybe there's a team out there that doesn't feel like they could ever convince him to come, but they're ruthless enough, a la the Oklahoma City Thunder in the 2019-20 season, to say, F it. We're going to go ahead and try anyway because we think Chris Paul could help our team and we're willing to give some stuff up that the Suns might like. Let's go ahead and get a deal done. Maybe there's still a last gasp opportunity for something like that. 
the Spurs. I don't really love the trade options, but that's been out there. Maybe the Clippers just say, we'll do the trade. We'll give you kind of our, our scraps just so that we don't have to worry about him maybe going to the Lakers. I don't really know. I think that in these situations, very similar to Kevin Durant, players tend to forecast out, get the grapevine talking, and they tend to get what they want and where they want. So this idea of a trade, I think, only would have really worked if the Suns were effective in ginning up interest, leaking, oh, such and such trade is on the table, this and that, and working with Chris Paul to find a destination that he wanted, making it seem like there was actually a market that other teams needed to bid against, allowing it to get out that they might cut him, just completely decimated their leverage in this situation. How are you going to call the, the Clippers even now and say, hey, you got to give us Eric Gordon and uh, you know Robert Covington in order to get Chris Paul when they just read an article from Chris Haynes and other, a number of other people that the Suns are very heavily considering cutting this guy, that they could just go sign on a minimum contract or a taxpayer mid-level contract or whatever it is in, a, in two weeks, three weeks. I just don't see a trade. And so having a plan with we're going to get Chris Paul back or what you're going to spend your money on after that is vital here. And it cannot be a roll of the dice when you get to July 1st of will this person take our money? Will such and such team match an offer we make? All this stuff. You need to know what you're doing here. And I'm just not sure the Suns do right now. They have a lot of work to do. Let's talk about where they could look. Talked about quickly. Obviously, I threw Kyrie out there. Those don't feel super realistic to me. So what are more realistic targets at that mid-level exception, at that taxpayer mid-level exception, and in a trade? We'll talk about what the Suns' plan could be, assuming that they maybe do have one more than it seems like. Next, first today's show brought to you by BetterHelp. My wife and I have both gone to therapy over the past few years uh, doesn't help to, I guess, sort of, uh, you know, get married and deal with a lot of those things at the same time that the world changes a lot. And uh, look, I'm not saying we've had anything severe, but sometimes you don't really need that. It can just be helpful to know that there's somebody to talk to. We spend a lot of our time giving. We spend a lot of time internal, and it can leave you feeling stretched thin and burned out. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try just like we did. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. That was super helpful to me when I was finding somebody, the right person to speak with. The first couple didn't work. I mean, a lot of these people go to school for a very specific pattern and strategy and style of doing this stuff, and, and there really is different options for you that might help. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off that first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. If Kyrie Irving, James Harden, if those guys aren't realistic, and that's not a real plan that I think you can operate with if you're the Phoenix Suns, from what we know right now, James Harden's not taking the mid-level exception. Kyrie Irving, I think, is a little bit more of a question mark. I think if he feels frustrated and pigeonholed and put into a corner by the Dallas Mavericks, we saw last summer, maybe it was a little bit of a leverage play, but if he really is thinking about going to the Lakers, that's going to be his option there. So there's always the possibility that he does it. I'm not going to believe it till I see it. What's more realistic? 
Who is more realistic? So let's start with what Jake Fisher said. So I think the quickly thing is just unreasonable. Quickly would be much more likely to have to be a sign and trade. Sign and trade then hard caps the Phoenix Suns, which would mean that they just get even less flexibility. I just don't see that. I think he would be an awesome fit, especially with regard to what we're going to talk about in the, in the final segment. But Terry Rozier is on this list from Jake Fisher. That feels like a sign and trade, or not a sign and trade, but a trade with DeAndre Ayton to Charlotte. Um, I just don't, even Jake Fitcher didn't really seem to think that was the most likely option. If we hear Charlotte with Ayton, then I'll, I'll revisit. Peyton Pritchard, also a restricted free agent. I could honestly see them not extending a qualifying offer to him or just sort of not really being that interested in matching whatever offer comes his way. I'm not too sure how Boston feels, but he just hasn't really been playing. So I don't think there's any reason to believe he will start to play. And if he's not going to play, then what's the point of keeping him again, more of an option for a different type of structure that the Suns might have than the one that they currently have. Just not a traditional, typical starting point guard, Davion Mitchell. That would be half. That would have to be a trade. Don't see what that trade would be. The Suns just don't have assets. That's the other thing here. There's no pathway to the Suns having um, cap space. And there's no pathway to the Suns really making a, a, competitive trade offer right now you know the 52nd overall pick in Landry Shamit like that's it's just they can't they can't beat a market in trades either and that's another dilemma that they're facing so I think the more interesting one on this list is Gabe Vincent now any of you guys the everydayers who listen to my uh, best case scenario offseason show a few uh, last week I think it was um, I talked about Gabe Vincent and I talked about him as somebody who you might be able to go out and get with, I think I had it as the taxpayer mid-level. I don't think, I think he's going to make more than that. I don't actually think he's going to make as much as some people have said during this heat run. I think that heat free agents, if you actually go back and look, there is a really shaky track record. Most often teams, players come to Miami and have their best years. It's really rare that players break out in Miami and then get paid and then exceed expectations after that. That just, you talk about Hassan Whiteside, Josh Richardson, any number of other guys who have gone to other teams, they tend to fall off. So I'm not saying that will happen with Vincent, but I don't think that there's going to be this overwhelming overpayment that happens with Gabe Vincent. So if you have your full mid-level, if Chris Paul is gone, Vincent is somebody that I think you could spend that $12 million on and you might be able to get him for Miami, and you might be able to um, make it work. I think he could be a starting caliber player for the type of team that the Suns are going to be. Let's talk about other names, though. I've brought a lot of these up before, but if you're talking about, let's start with the $12 million full mid-level exception. Could you get Jordan Clarkson? I don't know if he's really a point guard. But on a team with Durant and Booker, maybe he is. He has a player option for right around what the mid-level is, but if you were willing to give him four years at that full $12 million, then that goes from him having 13 or so million guaranteed, which is what he would be opting into with that op player option, to 44 or you know, really more like 50 with an escalating deal going from that mid-level up over time. And he's 31, so maybe that would be valued in his mind. Could you get Bruce Brown at the full mid-level and have him be? Is he ready to make the leap to be a full-time starting 
point guard on a, on a team. I don't think he's the level of passer that you need. I think that he is somebody who can run a simple pick and roll, can you know run the ball up the court and initiate a set with other playmakers, but I don't think he is going to be even the level of passer that campaign is. So you're talking about a different type of team. But if you could give him another, you know, four-year, fifty or so million dollar on that tax on that full mid-level exception, I think he might take that deal. It's just that's not really, you know, if you're talking about a replacement for Chris Paul, you're going to look a lot different as a team than what you would with Chris Paul. Kobe White, another player who I think you could certainly get. He's a restricted free agent, but I don't know if Chicago would match on a full mid-level deal. Not really a point guard, you know? Um, so those are all guys. You know, are there others? Sure. Den- uh, Dennis Schroeder, I think, you know, he's even the taxpayer mid-level, which maybe we can flip to now, might convince him to come. Um, Jalen Noel, Io Desunmu, some of these young guys who haven't really gotten a ton of playing time you're talking about a real step back. You're talking about another, you know, you're, you're getting to the territory now where I think I would probably say you didn't have a plan. You know, Trey Jones in San, San Antonio, I would anticipate they want to keep him. He's restricted. They need a ball handler to set Vic up. But, you know, could that be somebody who you bet, bet on to take a step forward? Cameron Payne is still a factor with all of this. He's non-guaranteed, but you might just choose to, to guarantee him. Maybe a combination of campaign and, you know, a Bruce Brown type. Is that is that enough to check the box? And then maybe you use some different options elsewhere. Maybe there's still a, a DeAndre Ayton trade to be made. This is what you're looking at. The last thing I want to point out, just pulling from the list that Jake Fisher had and and the names that we know the Suns have pursued in the past, what could be on their mind right now? Two other options that I think are worth exploring that would qualify as a plan that I think is realistic, not paying James Harden $12 million. Um, Jake Fisher pointed to the possibility of a Chris Paul for D'Angelo Russell deal. And this would be similar to the Gordon and Covington thing with the Clippers, where it's like, Hey, we know you're interested. You know we want to move on. Instead of doing the whole cut and re-sign shenanigans, why don't you take Chris on what is effectively an expiring $30 million contract and you guys have the pieces that it, it evens out. You know, the benefit with some of the Clippers stuff is that you're taking on contracts that last longer than Chris Paul's. With D'Angelo Russell, that's not so much the case because he's also an expiring contract, but it would be similar. It would also reduce their bill by a little bit. Maybe you could convince the Clipper, the Lakers to take back somebody. The Suns just don't really have a lot, and they don't probably want to send campaign in a deal like that. So maybe it is just Russell. I think the Clippers' version of that type of a trade makes more sense, as you can probably hear as I'm talking through it. But Russell would would accomplish the same thing. It would allow the Lakers to just basically get Chris Paul, not have to worry about the D'Angelo Russell thing at all. No one really wants to pay D'Angelo Russell. That's part of, of I think, what might be appealing. It's, it's just hard to bet on him. It's hard to bet on him as a playoff player. He was mostly benched by the end of their run. 
The Suns would probably be facing the same thing, but it's at least a player in his spot that's younger, that might be more of an asset, who you don't have to worry about being 38, basically. I could see it. The last one is Fred Van Vliet, and I told you I don't think he's taking $12 million, and I don't, but there is a, a pathway that I don't think is crazy. I would not also call it likely where Aiton gets traded to Toronto for Fred Van Vliet. The main thing complicating this is that they just traded a first-round pick for Jakob Pertl. I really don't know why they made that trade. I really don't know what the Raptors are doing in general. I don't think that Pertl is somebody you trade a first-round pick for to be a backup, and I don't think that they can. They obviously can't really play together. I don't think Pertl's a guy you trade a first-round pick for to then let him walk in free agency. He is a free agent. Crazier things have happened, but are you really going to go out and trade something more for Aiton right after you just did that with Pertl? I just don't. I don't think so. But that is a possibility. If, if, if Fred Van Vliet were to basically opt into his contract for this final year, then you could basically then trade him to Phoenix for Aiton. Their salaries aren't perfect. Fred Van Vliet makes 21, uh, $23 million on his current contract, so you probably would be talking about you know him and Chris Boucher or him and Thad Young or basically those two guys. Him and Otto Porter, I think you could probably do. And I don't know how that trade really works. I don't think it's likely. 5%, 10%, but it's not crazy. I think it does sort of accomplish things that both teams would want. I just think there's this portal problem in the middle of it that, that really makes it hard to bet on. The last plan that honestly makes a lot of this easier is if the Suns just think Devin Booker is going to be their lead ball handler next year. If they looked at the playoffs and said, this guy is actually ready for this, that changes a lot. And it could be what they're thinking. We'll talk about it next. First, today's show, guys, brought to you by Prize Picks, who are giving away a million dollars for what might just be today. So you guys got to get in on this. Every single day of the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance to become a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. Eastern each day will be randomly selected, and whoever placed that entry will then be given an additional six-pick flex pool or uh, six-pick flex with the following payout. Six correct, million dollars in your pocket. Five correct, 80 grand. Four correct, 16 grand. The full details are at prizepicks.com million, but basically you opt in at that link. You're eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner with a chance at a million dollars. If you've not played prize picks before, it's two to six players. Set that more or less than the prize picks projection. So it's not fantasy points. It's not a pool. It's not a league. It is just you going more or less than whatever they set it at. Points, rebounds, assists, etc. Check it out. Download the prize picks app now. Use the code locked on when you make your first deposit to get an instant deposit match up to $100. That's promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. Let's close out the show. Is Devin Booker the point guard of the Phoenix Suns next year? And I don't mean that in the old-fashioned sense of the word. I don't think he's a point guard. I don't think he's going to be used the way John Stockton or even Chris Paul was used. I don't think he'll play that way, no matter what you put around him. But what I do mean by that is, is to ask the question of, is he a player that the Suns would look at and say, what he just did in the, in the playoffs against the Clippers and against the Nuggets as the lead ball handler for this team with Chris Paul 
on the roster still, but playing off ball. Is that what our team is going to be? Is the Kevin Durant, Devin Booker era of this Suns team going to include Booker being the primary playmaker? We have seen that work with Durant before. And I think that you have to accept the fact that he is going to be a key ball handler on this team no matter what they do at quote-unquote point guard, right? And so that adds a wrinkle. Chris Paul was the right player for this point guard for this team because they had a lot of finishing, dependent offensive players. Mikhail Bridges is a shooter. Then he evolved into a guy who can attack closeouts and a transition scorer, but really he still needed somebody to set him up. Cam Johnson, same thing is true. DeAndre Ayton, of course, as a pick-and-roll partner, was obviously uh, that way. And so that's different now. You don't really, I mean, you don't want Kevin Durant dribbling the ball up the court every night, but between Booker and Durant doing that and maybe one guy who is a another option as a ball handler, I mean, even look as, as far as the two teams in the finals is all you really need to, to see to understand what the Suns could be thinking. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, on one side, and Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic on the other side. Neither of those four players are traditional point guards. When Jamal Murray got in the league, he was one of the knocks on him as he didn't know if he could be a point guard. He was the backup to his rookie season, backup two guard. Jimmy Butler is not a point guard. No one would ever call him that. Bam Adebayo is a big man. I know Bam and Joker both distribute, but they're not running the ball up the court every single time either. But the combination of Butler and Bam, all you need is a Gabe Vincent, right? With the combination of Murray and Jokic, that's a little more traditional in terms of they both are real, genuine lead playmakers. But even then, you have um, Aaron Gordon is a playmaker. And you know that Bruce Brown and other guys that I just talked about are obviously options there as well. The Suns can approach things the same way. And so let's talk about who that might be. I, I do just want to remind you too um, that that Booker in the playoffs was 30% usage and 28 assist percentage. That's that's elite stuff. I mean, that was a higher assist percentage than he had in the in the regular season and about the same level of usage. And his efficiency was off the charts, right? And that regular those regular season numbers include a lot of time without Durant. So he was able to maintain that even with Durant and still be incredibly efficient and drive winning for this team. It's not crazy to think that he could do that. Now, of course, when I say that, you also have to keep in mind, it's just not good for a player's health who's not used to doing that when you realize Booker also has to be a, a primary scorer for this team I mean there's a reason that you have to just sit back and at a certain point appreciate somebody like LeBron James or James Harden in his prime or some of these guys who can simultaneously be the lead playmaker and the best scoring option on their team at the highest level and compete for championships I mean that's a very high bar right maybe Booker's ready for it I'm not willing to say he's not but that's the the top of the top of the top and Booker does have a history of, of regular season injuries between the hamstring and the groin and everything else. So who could you be looking at? Um, there's a lot of trade targets that could materialize. I'm not going to sit here and run through all of them because I think a lot of that can be boring uh, podcasts, but any of the players that you think of, and I'm not talking about Damian Lillard in terms of a trade, because again, the Suns don't have the assets to go out and get a player like that. But 
like Aaron uh, Edwards, who co-hosts this show once a week with me, has brought up Markel Fultz. That's probably in the sweet spot, right? A player who has weaknesses, mostly his shooting, might not be your end-all, be-all closer on the, uh, in the playoffs, but if you bring him in, maybe he can be your regular season point guard. He can still play a role for you in the postseason. He's gettable. You could use Landry Shamit in a bunch of seconds. Maybe that gets the job done. I'm not sure, but it's not crazy. Something like that as far as trades go. As far as free agents go, and just generally speaking with building the roster that way, you're looking much more at wings than you really are at guards. So I think of somebody like Gary Harris. He's another one. He's also on the Magic, probably also a Shamit-based con- uh, trade, but somebody who... Um, is a wing player who can have the ball in his hands and it's not an emergency that that can build be be put into a, a rotation where Booker is is handling the ball. And let me give you some more examples of what I mean. I think that well, I was going to say Victor Oladipo, although we know that he is uh, obviously a, an injury concern right now. Um, could Gary Trent be somebody like this? Could, let's see, um, Max Struess, another Heat player. Guys who have played in systems that you trust that when the ball hits them, they're going to be comfortable. But you're not looking for a point guard. Nikhil Alexander-Walker. He's a restricted guy, but another good example. Really more of a 3 and D guard, but again, he's played point guard his whole life. These are players who, you know, in high school, they were the best point guard in their state, and now they've just had to evolve, right? Somebody like that. I think that even Clarkson, who I mentioned already, I I think kind of falls into that category. Karis LeVert, I don't think you can afford him. He's probably looking for a raise, and he's already making $17.5 million. I don't know if all these are perfect. I'm not going to spend too much time thinking about it that way because, again, we have to pace ourselves. It's only June 11th as I'm recording this, so I'm not going to sit here and build out this whole dream world of what the Suns might do. But I just want to put it in your mind that that might be what they're thinking, that they're not thinking we need a 100% pitch-perfect replacement for what Chris Paul or Ricky Rubio even did for our team. What we need is somebody who can complement what Booker is going to become. And that would put a lot of, it would help us understand their approach with this Chris Paul stuff, I think, even more. Maybe it's wishful thinking. Maybe I'm just hoping that's where they're headed. I don't know what the best option is. But once again, I hope they have a plan because it's not going to be easy. And the leaking wars have already begun. All right, that'll wrap us up. We'll be back tomorrow. I think with Brandon Duenas, we'll have to see how timing all works out there. That's the plan. We're hoping to do a Vogel show, a Cap show potentially. Aaron Edwards will be back. So hit follow, hit subscribe, be coming every day or get this show in your feed every single Monday through Friday all throughout the offseason and beyond. In the meantime, check out Locked On Sports today where you get caught up on the whole wide world of sports in 25 minutes or less wherever you get podcasts. Check it out. I'll talk to you tomorrow.